This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Diane Mack. Just ahead on today's show, we talk with WYES executive producer and host Peggy Scott Laborde about the King of Carnival and the meeting of the courts of Rex and Comus. Also, what to do with tons of Mardi Gras throats. But first, not all king cakes are created equal. And if you live in Louisiana, you probably have your own favorites. Maybe even a ranking of different bakeries. I love Randazzo's king cake. As Aubrey Yuhas reports, one resident has taken her king cake obsession to a whole new level. Kate Clark's love of king cake runs deep. I still remember my first king cake. I was in the first grade. It was a classic brioche with cinnamon. Clark says it was love at first bite. And I was like, this may be the greatest thing I've ever tasted. We're at one of Clark's favorite New Orleans bakeries, Bittersweet Confections on Magazine Street. And king cake season is already in full swing. Next to us, there's a table piled high with cakes. Just a tiny fraction of the more than 8,000 the bakery plans to make this year. Should I get a cake cake? Uh, Why don't I get us one? Clark is an attorney and works down the street. But she also moonlights as an artist and has a surprise for the staff at Bittersweet. This is for y'all. You're on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I have to show Cheryl. Oh my gosh, she's going to love this. What is it? It's King Cakeopoly. King Cakeopoly. Like Monopoly. Clark has made a special version of the game. Instead of the traditional properties, she subbed in local King Cakes. She shows yeah, the board to Bittersweet's owner, Cheryl Scripter. Oh, i got to find where you are. Ooh, you're bittersweet. You're up here. All right, nice. They're on the far side of the board where the higher value properties are. For Monopoly nerds, Bittersweet is green, specifically Pacific Avenue. It's quite the compliment. I, I made them last year. I'm just giving them out for free all over the city this year, just being like a king cake fairy. And Clark even kind of looks like a fairy today. She's wearing a bright pink dress with puffed sleeves and matching heels. She says the board started as a way for her to try new king cakes and get her co-workers to participate. They even laminated it so they could check off properties with a dry erase marker. Last year I joked that your reward was gaining 10 pounds because that's basically if you work all the way around, you've eaten a lot of king cake. The board starts at the Mediterranean Avenue of king cakes, Walmart. Next, it's the airport gift store king cake. <laughs> now Clark is careful to point out that her game is a work of satire. She's got to cover herself legally. Remember, she's an attorney. After the lowest-rung cakes, the board moves on to the grocery store variety, like Rouse's. And then as you work your way around, you get to the best of the best. In my opinion, which, you know, many people have opinions about their favorite ones, are these kind of, you know, the bittersweet, the Haydells, the Manny Randazzo, the Dongfeng, and the Haido. I think those are, it's very hard to rank those because they're all a little different, but they're all really good. She did rank them, though. The boardwalk of king cakes, it's high dough. A lot of thought goes into Clark's ranking. She considers the quality of the bake as well as the icing. Bakeries get points for creativity, but also availability. She says that's why Haido beat out Dong Fu for the top spot this year. After discussing all manner of king cakes, it's time to eat bittersweets. Clark cuts herself a slice and takes a really big bite. <laughs> you know that moment in Ratatouille? When the food critic tastes, tastes the ratatouille and it takes them back to childhood. This tastes like my mother's cinnamon rolls. That's what I like about this one. Mm. Clark says she loves this time of year because it brings out the city's most whimsical side. She says the board is her contribution to the magic that is Mardi Gras. 
And for the record, I think the best cake is from Levy Bakery. In New Orleans, I'm Aubrey Uhas. Carnival season is in full swing in New Orleans, as well as in neighboring communities and parishes with parades, marching crews, and celebrations all leading up to the grand finale, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, which is just a week away. In New Orleans, the King of Carnival is preparing for his 2024 reign. WYES-TV executive producer and host Peggy Scott Laborde has covered Rex and the meaning of the courts of Rex and Comus for several years, and she joins us now with a sneak peek at upcoming festivities. Peggy, welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you. I'm very proud to say that WYES has been doing uh, the complete Rex Ball and the meaning of the courts since 1997. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Mardi Gras is always a busy day with an early start for you. How do you typically begin your coverage of Rex, and how does your day begin? The day before, let me say this, in which we now refer to as Lundi Gras, there is a rehearsal beforehand of the meeting of the courts, and there's stand-ins, so the royalty are not there. And then we set up our stage in the ballroom at the Sheraton. That's where Rex takes place. So we go to that and we, you know, talk about last minute things, but we're kind of really putting it together and organizing it. And then Tuesday morning, my husband Errol and I walk around for just a few hours and then I have to go back to the hotel. We stay at the Sheraton and then I do more homework. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of homework here. It's, you know, this is a live broadcast. It's over four hours. So it's very fun, but you want to be ready. And I understand the day begins for Rex with a run. Yes, <laughs> at Audubon Park, the Rex Royal Run, a former captain and Rex, Boatner Riley, came up with that idea many moons ago. Sadly, he's deceased, but his son now uh, is the MC for it. But it's really very, very sweet. It is amazing how the Queen seems to win every year. <laughs> I don't know how that goes. Hmm. You know, miracle, you know. <laughs> Now, the Rex Parade is the highlight of Mardi Gras. Can you tell us a short story about its beginnings more than 150 years ago? Yes. This year is the same date as the first Rex Parade in 1872, February the 13th. And so there were some celebs who happened to be at that parade. And I think that, you know, the City Fathers, remember this is post-Reconstruction, They're trying to figure out ways to tell America and the world, please come back. Please come spend your money. I mean, there really are direct references to, you know, we predict everyone will spend at least $50. (laughs) Like they're looking at this because the economy is, of course, in shambles. All right. So that year, the Grand Duke Alexis Romanov, Archduke Alexis of Russia, had just come back from Buffalo Hunt with General Custer, George Armstrong Custer. And he had also been on the hunt with Buffalo Bill. But anyway, George Armstrong Custer and his wife accompanied the Grand Duke to New Orleans. Now, also around that Mardi Gras was a guy named Dan Rice. And he had a circus, which was in town, and he had lots of horses. So the gentlemen who are trying to put together a bit of a makeshift, because it's the first parade, you know, uh, makeshift, but, you know, as honorable as it could be. They borrowed some horses from Dan Rice. I think a lot of people knew each other. You know, it's a small town in that respect, especially the the people who are involved with theater and that kind of action and stuff like that. Well, Dan Rice later, his face later becomes the template for Uncle Sam. You know, the Uncle Sam with the hat and the goatee? 
Yeah. That was Dan Rice, a friend of his, Thomas Nast, the artist, uh, used his face <laughs> uh, to be an emblem you know, of America. Also in town with Lydia Thompson. She was performing uh, actually at one of the theaters and she invited the Grand Duke to attend one of her performances. It's unclear whether he did that, but there was another performer at Lottie Crabtree and he did go to see her. But you know, everything was very close by. They stayed at the St. Charles Hotel which is the second hundred block of St. Charles, where Place St. Charles is today. The theater where a lot of this took place was just a few blocks down. Like everything was really much more intimate and easy to get around. But the Grand Duke loved being in New Orleans and he even attended a dinner in his honor. He loved horses. He attended a dinner in his honor at the Jockey Club. It was an organization, like a social organization that was on the, the actual uh, land of the fairgrounds, and there's there's a menu. I've seen the menu. They ate very well that night. <laughs> and those were the humble beginnings of this uh, this crew, the crew of Rex. Yes, yeah. It was a little, you know, uh, slapdash that first year, but really by the second and third, there were more organized floats. You know, now remember, you had Comus, you had a nighttime parade, but you didn't have a daytime parade per se. And so, if you're going to try to attract visitors then maybe that's a little bit more attractive, you know, or, or maybe one more parade, you know, make it worth our while to come here. A lot of people arrived um, in New Orleans, not only by boat, but by train. This is the time of the great rail progress. As it turns out, the Grand Duke came by boat. Now, this crew is also known for its philanthropic efforts. How does it give back to the community? Over $14 million so far. But every year it's like over a million dollars, you know, almost two million. And it's usually geared towards education, public education. They really focus on that. Pro bono, publico, you know, it's for the good of the community. And that's long been Rex's motto. So what can we look forward to on the parade route this year? Any special favors and floats we should pay attention to? And, And what's the theme? The theme of the parade is the two worlds of Lafcadio Hearn. He was half Greek and Irish. He was a journalist, and he came down from Cincinnati to work on newspapers locally. He so embraced the community. He was stunned by, you know, the culture. He even wrote about Marie Laveau when she died. He actually was writing for both local and national publications. So he is spreading the word that New Orleans is this exotic, different kind of place. He's sort of a a nomad. So eventually he goes to the Caribbean, the French Caribbean, for two years, and then on to Japan. And that is where he really falls in love with the culture. He changes his name. He marries a Japanese woman. They have children. And so what this parade does is depict his New Orleans years, but very much about what he was writing in Japan. And he wrote a lot of fantasy, a lot of children's stories, very romantic, you know, and so you'll see dragons, and it's very, very visual. And let me just point out that Royal Artists is the float builder, and they really do harken back to the old style of design. And what will be the favors we should look for this year? Each float has their own special favor. But, you know, I love what we call the signature floats, the ones that you see every year. So I'm always uh, intrigued by the buff grot the fatted calf. (laughs) They also are trying to be more green. And so they have these aluminum cups as opposed to throwing a plastic cup. You can reuse this. So those are at least two things to look for. 
After the ride down the traditional St. Charles route, there is more to look forward to in the evening on Mardi Gras with the Rex Ball and the meeting of the courts of Rex and Comus. What is the story behind the meeting of the courts and what is Rex's relation to Comus? Well, Comus is the elder, okay? And Comus, you know, in mythological terms, is a god, okay? And he <laughs> he was somebody you didn't want to meet in the woods, shall we say. If <laughs> <laughs> you, we got lost in the woods, and this is way back when, right? The story was that he would say, oh, have a sip of my cup, because Comus is always carrying a cup. And if you drink that, well, then you become half beast, half human. So oh you got to watch out. But he was, you know, he, he was the, the uh, god of revelry. So what happens when the meeting of the courts takes place, which is since 1882, Rex and his court go across the street from the Sheraton to the Marriott, and they bow to Comus because Comus is the elder. It's out of deference. It's out of respect. And the meeting of the courts is just something that we all grew up with. And what happens at this ball? Well, at the Rex Ball and at the Comus Ball, there are maids. There are debutantes, you know, maids who come out and they're presented. And that is, of course, considered the highlight of the carnival season. And when will we find out who is Rex 2024 and his queen? Well, my understanding is you do that uh, next weekend. It used to be Mardi Gras Day. It's usually now on the weekends that their pictures are in the paper. And the other thing is Comus. Eventually, you'll you'll find out who the Queen of Comus is, but you never know. And I don't even know who Comus is. He's anonymous. Always. Through the years. Always anonymous. He wears a mask. Uh-huh. And, and that mask, unless things have changed, is actually from France. And it's specially made for that person's face. Any wishes for revelers of this Mardi Gras? Well, we always, of course, look for good weather. But I would say, if you have time, try to mask in some way. It's so easy in New Orleans. We all have stuff in our closet. A little purple, That's green, and gold. <laughs> WYES-TV executive producer and host Peggy Scott Laborde. This has been fun. Happy Mardi Gras. Oh, thank you so much. And I will, that night, of course, be with Errol Laborde and Will French. And we'll be working together on a busy night. The Rex Ball and the Meeting of the Courts of Rex and Comus will premiere February 13th at 7 p.m. on WYES-TV Channel 12. The program will also stream live on WYES's Facebook and YouTube pages. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. In 2022, over 1,000 tons of Mardi Gras waste went into landfills in just over 12 days. And that was just in New Orleans. Beads, cups, and other toxic throws not only contribute to flooding by clogging storm drains, but also contribute to the pollution of Louisiana's lakes, rivers, and bayous. Thankfully, there are groups out there like Grounds Crew, and yes, that's Crew with a K, dedicated to a more sustainable Mardi Gras. Grounds Crew founder Brett Davis joins us now for more on his work to reduce waste during carnival season. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you. Happy Mardi Gras, Diane. Hey. I know you're a New Orleans native, so were you always thinking about Mardi Gras waste even as a child? What compelled you to start Grounds Crew, and what were your initial goals? Yeah, uh, well, I have been going to Mardi Gras since I was a child, and it has changed dramatically since those days back in the early 80s. And after spending a few years away from Carnival, I came back um, around 2013 and really had noticed how much the practice of parading had changed. And I was noticing just an incredible, incredible amount of stuff that was being left on the ground after every single parade. And I started thinking, well, man, this is totally different. Why is this here? And what can be done about it? So it's kind of shocking, actually, when you think about efforts around the world to reduce um, waste and disposable plastics, yet here in Louisiana, in New Orleans specifically, during 12 days, as you mentioned, we're producing as much as 2.6 million pounds of street waste. Um, so it was a, a bit shocking to me, and that's how I started researching the issue and started the nonprofit Grounds Crew in 2019. Yeah. What is some of the data that points to just how wasteful these Mardi Gras throws can be? What are some of the most damaging throws, and how do they affect the fish, wildlife, and environment? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's uh, if you look at the profile of waste out on the parade route after a parade, you have your typical sort of party waste, your tailgating waste. Of course, there's drink containers, food containers, just the general refuse that you would normally have after a big event. But Mardi Gras is unique. We produce an entirely different type of waste that no other festival in the world does, and that is Mardi Gras throws. And so I think you really have to understand why there's so many out there. It's sort of a fascinating um, explanation and one that a lot of people from New Orleans, even people in parades don't often quite understand, um, is that parade throws in some form, especially for these super crews, really help pay for the act of parading. We have the largest free and unsponsored event in the entire world with Carnival. Um, how do you pay for a 12-day spectacle that gets bigger and better every year? Um, of course, you have membership dues, you have balls and fundraisers, but these crews are paying to entertain us. The other big thing they've become to rely on financially is the importation, branding, sale of throw packages full of high quantity, low quality parade throws that unfortunately have fallen a little bit out of favor because there's so many out there. And then there's the health and safety aspect. A lot of these throws are made with very, very poor materials, covered in really cheap paints, and our biggest consumers of these throws are children. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the sort of cost effects of this. We spent about $1.5 million as Orleans Paris ta taxpayers just in the 12 days of Carnival to clean up all the waste that's left out there. Well, what can we do to reduce the impact of this waste? Can you start by telling us about Ground Crew's parade recycling? Sure. Yeah. Our nonprofit is sort of working on both ends of carnival waste reduction. So we do waste prevention by sustainable throws that we find to be high quality, low quantity. We have something called the Sustainable Throw Catalog, where we sell a collection of affordable, eco-friendly parade throws, the majority of which are Louisiana products. 
um, that we use thousands of volunteers throughout the year around the city to help produce. These are things like consumable items, jambalaya mix, red beans, um, soap that we source from a lady in Port Allen, Louisiana. That's purple, green, and gold, native flower starter kits, functional items, things that you can catch at a parade, use, catch again at the next parade, catch again the following year. The other half of our work is uh, recycling programs, so waste reduction. Uh, we're now involved with uh, our sixth year of organizing an on-the-route parade recycling program. It's been branded Recycled At, and it now includes a partnership with the city of New Orleans and a growing list of sponsors. And that effort is to go out onto the parade route during the weekend day parades um, and allow the parade going public to find one of our six stations where we're giving out these free throw donation bags so that people can catch throws, fill this bag, give it back to us or bring it to a drop off site year round. Um, and these throws are reused and repackaged and resold by great organizations like Arc GNO and others. Um, and we also allow the public to recycle aluminum cans and glass bottles. Brett, I want to talk about the Trash Formers crew. Why did you decide to start a crew to spread this message? When do you march, and how does this crew contribute to the spirit of parades while collecting waste? Sure, yeah. The Trash Formers is a, a fun little marching crew that we started um, that's all about interactive recycling collections. So we have a group of locals all decked out in eco-pun costumes <laughs> like Marie Antoinette, I'm Oscar, the recycling grouch. I live in a recycling bin instead of a trash can. And we drive around these really fun shopping carts that are attached to bicycles, lit up neon green. And we parade in the Marini Bywater parades. And we sort of flipped the script on parading. Instead of producing waste out there by giving stuff out to people or throwing things that might end up on the street, we actually encourage people to hurry up and drink uh, whatever they have in their hand and throw us the can so that we can recycle it for, uh, for them. We actually have them put it into our cart. So it's a sort of an awareness initiative about, um, again, you know, what are the options out there if you're trying to do low waste parading? Uh, we want to help you figure out a way to recycle, even though there may not be an option available out on the parade route. I'm sure there are listeners hearing this thinking, hey, I want to get involved. So how can people volunteer with this group? Sure. Yeah, you can find a list of our volunteer opportunities on our website, groundscrew.org, and that's crew with a K-R-E-W-E. Um, we are currently recruiting volunteers for the Recycle That initiative. Um, so that'll be coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It's a great way to get out there and do your part to help um, Mardi Gras produce less waste on the streets. Um, and you can also find about uh, op opportunities to volunteer with Grounds Crew through the Sustainable Throw Catalog production year-round on our website. And then we have information for the marching crew as well. Brett Davis, founder of Grounds Crew, a nonprofit dedicated to making a more environmentally friendly Mardi Gras. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Diane. <laughs> From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. Thanks to our guest, WWNO, WRKF reporter Aubrey Yuhas. 
WYES executive producer and host Peggy Scott Laborde, and Grounds Crew founder Brett Davis. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.